and welcome to the Angry Sun Zone. Uh, this week we've got some thoughts on recent games we've played, and uh, yeah, not not a particularly specific episode about any game in particular this week, but uh, we hope you enjoy our musings today. Uh, as usual, I'm Alex. And I'm Sean. And I'm Santo. Uh, yeah, so uh, first up, uh, I'm going to bring up a game that we actually might have some uh, video, uh, have a video coming up of this soon, but uh, Sonic Mania. So yes. This game, it... Uh, I love this game. I, I'm i not a fan of the game, and I'm not a fan of what it's done to us when we tried to record it. Though that's not the game's fault, that's Audacity's fault. Yeah, uh, yeah so me and Santo uh, have both played the game recently, and... Uh, yeah, I love it. I think it's great, but I love this. I love the Sega Genesis Sonic games, and it's basically a Sega Genesis Sonic game. So, for anyone who liked those games, Sonic, Sonic Two, Sonic Three, and Knuckles, uh, it's great. And if you didn't like those games, well, you're you're gonna have a bad time. As somebody who did not like those old games and playing this new one, yeah, I I wasn't too into it. Um, though I do. I recognize that it is a well-crafted for what it is. Like, this was clearly an homage to those old games. Yeah. So, it, you know, to me, it feels and plays like those old games. It's actually interesting, the development, uh, from what I've read, the development was actually, uh, a lot came down to two guys who started out making ROM hacks of the old Sega Genesis games and, you know, making some fan games. And I love this, like, instead of sending cease and desist orders or uh, whatever other ridiculous thing Nintendo did recently, uh, because they're always doing that, and they do not understand how to interact with their fan base in a sensible manner, uh, Sega decided, oh, there are these guys making well-known ROM hacks and fan games of our Sonic games. Let's hire them. And they hired them to do a port, I believe, um, of uh, some of the older games to PC or something, or new consoles. I'm a little unclear, but they were porting some of the older Genesis games, I believe. And then uh, that went well. And then they gave these guys free reign to basically make a Sonic game that they wanted to make. And so, yeah, it totally is an homage because it was made by uh, super fans of the game who were making... Ron hacks and fan games. Yeah, basically. You've you've heard of white hat hackers? These are white hat game designers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's that's a really cool story. That's uh, that's something that is is it's cool to see a company you know like bring in fans of the games that you know because uh, the modern Sonic games there's it's been a rocky road even for fans of the series. Uh, yeah, I mean. Pretty much, Sonic just didn't make the transition to 3D very well. Um, and I'm going to say, like, you know, I actually liked a couple of the earlier ones, like Sonic Adventure 2 in particular, I think was a high point for the 3D games. And even it had, honestly, a lot of problems. <laughs> um, like, some of the Sonic levels were good, but 
the the tails and knuckles eggman and other climbing ruse the bat yeah um like those levels were frankly a bit weird and out of place and hold on hold on just a sec did you see there's levels where you play as dr eggman yeah yeah you you drive around uh you you drive around a robot suit thing with legs and so you jump around well and you shoot enemies and uh yeah you play as eggman that's surprising yeah sonic adventure 2 had this thing where there's like a light side and the dark side storyline and then they converge right like once you beat both of them you get like the real and er, they happen in parallel actually and then at the end you unlock like the ending you don't have to pay for the ending unlike certain other games we have dissed on the podcast viral fix <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh but yeah i mean it, it it was cool it had a chow garden which was amazing and uh, a lot. It's it's been kind of downhill since then. I'd say <laughs> uh, there's been a couple other games that have been like yeah. you know they have they they are okay. Like Sonic Colors was okay, but re- really none of the 3D Sonic games have been amazing. They've all had problems. Yeah, basically the Sonic franchise is bit you know like it, it's a really great analogy that you did because it's been going on uh, down downhill. And then, like, they try to make it, like, go uphill, but it ends up just being a loop-de-loop, and they keep going downhill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Sonic Mania is really a... It's a return to what I would consider the high point of the 2D games. And it also, it, it also adds some uh, sm- small details that are pretty cool. Uh, some of the character animations are... It very much looks like a Genesis game, but they've tightened up They've tightened up the graphics. They've tightened up the graphics a little bit. They've just made things smoother. Uh, it's very, like, you know, you'll never run into graphics issues or stuttering or anything like that. And there's uh, just subtle animation details that look really slick. Um, some of the animations have way more frames, like, per second than the animations in the older games did. Mm-hmm. Um, though a lot of the sprite work very much does look similar. Like, it, basically, Sonic Mania is like the Sonic game you remember instead of the Sonic game you'll get if you actually go and play the Genesis games. Yeah. Uh, which, if you like them, it's great. And it 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 just smooths it out uh, somewhat, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going into some of the things that I think maybe aren't great about it, uh, a lot of the complaints about all those older games is that, you know, you can't really... Uh, to an extent, they're an exercise in memorizing the level layout so you can actually play the game. Yeah, I've my my big problem with Sonic is that it's a game where you got to go fast, and I never feel like I'm actually going that fast. Like I never am able to get into like a really good flow to, uh, while I'm controlling the action. There's parts in the Sonic games and Sonic Mania as well where you go into like uh, like a tube or some kind of like almost set piece kind of thing where it'll automatically make you like go really fast through the level and stuff. And that, you know, that looks cool, but I'm not controlling that. So the, the effect is lost a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The parts where you're able, the parts where you're able to stay in like really in control and go really fast actually require a lot of skill. Uh, And frankly, not just skill, but also memorizing the level layouts. 
uh, yeah. to actually quickly run through them. So, uh, so yeah, that that's. Uh, I, I actually have a question there. So in those fast sections, is what? Um, how much did they penalize you if you screw up? Is it like, do you just slow down and have to pick up the pace again? Uh, or in those sections, is it like there is death awaiting you, and and if you screw up, you have to start over? Well, I mean, the Sonic games have always been a kind of generous, to where as long as you have one ring, you're not, you're not gonna die. Uh, so generally, if you do like, if you run and then there's some enemy that you uh, run into or whatever, yeah, you you pretty much stop. But your wings go flying, you're probably catching a couple. So it's difficult to really be in any danger well in later levels there are pits and <laughs> yeah. uh that's, you know classic sonic complaint is ah it was really good you know going super fast and then a pit came out of nowhere and i died from what i've seen of sonic mania sonic mania is actually not the worst game for just random pits that kill you instantly um although flying battery zone is full of them uh but in general, uh, like I know uh, Sonic Rush was another 2D Sonic game, which was pretty good, but that one was actually really bad for just throwing pits at you with no <laughs> warning, like constantly. It was actually kind of infuriating uh, sometimes. Um, I- I'd say other than Flying Battery Zone so far, none of the levels have been like really bad for pits out of nowhere, but... Yeah, it, it's 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 definitely a design thing in Sonic games that can be annoying. Uh, yeah, but uh, so the game's very much a Genesis Sonic game, you know, slightly modernized, only slightly though. <laughs> uh, and uh, whether that's good or bad, I mean, kind of, I think it really depends how you kind of feel about that. What I will say is that there's no other platformer I find that really plays like a Sonic game, and I think that to an extent the speed and the problems of like having to memorize the levels to go at speed through them. I don't know how fixable that really is and, and keeping the feel that the game has, right? Cause at its best, it's like, you feel like just this unrestrained, barely controlled speed. And I'd say that not a lot of other platformers really get that. And I don't think a 3D platformer has ever really nailed it, including the Sonic games. Like, it's just a hard thing to translate to 3D, I think. Yeah. Because, like, I if, mean, frankly, if you want to give something the illusion of being, like, you know, like I said, barely contained, barely controlled, and you give it an entire other axis of movement that you have to worry about, like, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. I, I think, actually, if anything, uh, the closest. 3D, so to speak, games uh, with that feeling or actually like, you know, certain racing games. <laughs> um, I mean, the whole like class of uh, Wipeout, uh, wipe you know, F-Zero, kind of like zero gravity racers, like kind of has that feel sometimes. Hmm. But but that's also not a... It's a comparison. Former. It's not, maybe not the best comparison. Yeah, I don't know. It's but... a comparison. I'll give you that. <laughs> And in the F-Zero game, you start with zero rings and are unable to hit any the entire time. No, in, in F-Zero GX, you can make a ring go around your ship and hit other ships. And that's all I did in that game, was trying to 
fuck up the other ships instead of racing. <laughs> I was good at it. I, yeah. I was really bad at racing, so I was just like, I'm just going to try and knock as many people out at the beginning of this race as I can. That's what happens to me when I play Rocket League. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. you're just the, you're the goon of Rocket League. Yeah. <laughs> enforcer. The enforcer. Yeah, um... Yeah, the other thing I'll, I'll another thing I'll say is that uh, there's a ton of levels in Sonic Mania. Like, okay. there are more than there are in uh, a lot of the older games. It's actually got quite a lot uh, to to play through. Um, so that's that's kind of cool. And then uh, some of the special levels are kind of interesting. They brought back a special level that I that was okay with like collecting these blue spheres that turn into red ones. And then they have another special level, uh, and that's I think for like these weird coins that I still don't I don't actually know what they do. I've got some of these coins, and they're they show up in my menu as progress, but I don't know what they do. <laughs> uh, and then uh, there's the Chaos Emeralds, which you get through a different uh, special stage mini game where you're kind of like running around a level, and it's almost it almost feels like one of those old like Mode Seven Mario Kart uh, kind of yeah, stages. Yeah. Except you're Sonic instead of a cart. And then you collect rings, which are your time, and then you collect these blue balls, which increase your speed, and you're trying to catch a UFO. Oh, it's kind of cool. Um, it's it's not the worst Sonic special stage <laughs> that that's ever been made. So yeah, It seemed fine when I played it. Um, yeah, and the levels, like... To give, to give you an idea, like, when we say this is an homage to the old Sonic games, we freaking mean it, because the first place you're in is Green Hill Zone. Yeah, some of the some of the levels are actually very much using the same art assets as the old games. Yeah. And then, all, and then to, no, to be fair, they're, they're, they've added some really nice remixes to those stages. So they've got Green Hill Zone. They've got Chemical Plant Zone. I love Chemical Plant Zone. Uh, it's one of my favorite stages like out of all of the older Genesis games and then they did an absolutely killer version in the, in Sonic Mania and it's not like they haven't just they've used the the chemical zone kind of music remixed it they've added the graphics from the older games and kind of like you know brought them a little bit more up to date um the game looks more like Sonic CD than the Genesis games actually um and so the just slight updates to the graphics. And then the uh, Chemical Plant Zone has some really interesting new mechanics that were not in the older Genesis games. And that's actually something I've, I've noticed in a lot of the levels is that the developers have gone and added new types of mechanics to these levels that were not present in the older games that uh, make it feel a little bit more interesting to someone who, who has played all of those uh, older games. Uh, like Chemical Plant Zone has these interesting uh, fluid color colored fluids that different colors do different things. So there's like a, a super bounce thing that's green, and there's like a moderate bounce that's blue, and there's like toxic. There's like a toxic one that's yeah. like a darker blue. <laughs> um, so that's uh, and, and it kind of fits like you know the idea of Chemical Plant Zone, right? Now there's actual chemicals in Chemical Plant Zone. <laughs> what a concept! I love it. Yeah. The boss fight in Chemical Plant Zone as well. I'm not going to spoil it, but that's one of the best boss fights. It's so yeah. funny. It's so funny. It's real. It's really funny, yeah. Um, yeah, boss fights have never been, really been a highlight of the Sonic games, and honestly, they're still... Eh, uh, 
but they have some they have a few boss fights that are interesting and that are different. Uh, so yeah, I like that too. Mm-hmm. So when we played it, um, one of the stages that I got to was a uh, studio studioopolis or studioopolis studioopolis I yeah. think yeah like it was, was that like a think, level from the older game no, or was that I completely think, new I think that one's totally new yeah because it, it felt new uh just like the sheer amount of like stuff in the background and all the like the style of it a lot of the mechanics like and the music was really good too like that level was pretty was actually pretty good I I you know was having a bit a bit better of a time on that on that stage, uh, but then then after that was flying battery zone. I fell into a couple pits and got a game over. Wait, did you say flying battery zone? Yeah, yep. I'm starting to think so, <laughs> some of the names of the Sonic stages are like they seem ordinary. Flying battery is not one of those. It's the airship level. Okay, I'm thinking of the other kind <laughs> yeah, of battery, it, like I like a weapon, like a battery need. of weapons. Gotcha. <laughs> It's not just the gigantic nine volt in the air. <laughs> uh, how uh, far did you get in, in it? So, do you think? Um, I think I got maybe to the seventh stage, seventh zone, or something like that. Okay. Like I got past flying battery zone, and the next zone after that uh, was kind of a cool zone with uh, switch mechanics, which aren't not as common in Sonic games as Mario games. Yeah, and then it's also got it's got some multiplayer options apparently, both uh, a couple of different modes in multiplayer that we haven't tried yet, and then uh, yeah, it's got like time attack and stuff like that, like classic kind of uh, modes. Oh, it's also got uh, it's a little unclear because the game doesn't really explain these much, but uh, there's also different abilities, so you can play as Sonic, Sonic and Tails, or Knuckles. And obviously Knuckles has his abilities of climbing up uh, walls, which is really cool. Uh, Tails has his ability to fly. Uh, And then uh, Sonic has some abilities too. And uh, you can actually like switch different abilities out. So like the default Sonic Mania ability is this ability that when you're in the air and you jump, uh, you can like hold a certain button combination down. I think it's like holding the jump button and down. And then when you hit the ground, you get a burst of speed. And then there's a couple other different abilities that you can switch out to, like the Sonic CD um, ability to just like charge up a really fast... You, you charge up a fast running move. Um, spin dash, right? Yeah, no, but it's not the spin dash. It puts you like running instead of in the ball form. Uh, it's, it's called like peel out or something, super peel out. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so they've got a couple different abilities that you can switch out uh, that for the characters, which is uh, you know, it kind of is interesting. Keeps it a bit, it gives you a little bit more very varied, varied uh, of a move set. <laughs> Not that there's much of a move set in Sonic, but but yeah. Uh, overall, I mean, I really like the game. Yeah, I think our conclusion on it is probably like, I don't think this is going to change your mind on Sonic. No. Yeah, it's not going to change your mind on the old Sonic games. If you've played the Genesis Sonic games and you love them, play Sonic Mania. It's amazing. If uh, you played the old Genesis games and you didn't like them, it's it's a it's a Genesis game. It's it's basically it's it's like it's a super fan game of 
like what the absolute peak of the Genesis games like were. And uh, for all of their flaws that they had, all of the flaws those games had are basically still here. And so, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And, and if you haven't played any Sonic games, um, you could try it out. It's a high-speed platformer that requires a, a fairly large amount of playtime uh, on, on specific levels to, like, really get through the game. So you'll be playing the same level over and over to kind of get better at it and find the secret hidden lives and stuff like that. It's got a really old-school system of uh, lives and continues which can be a it can be a detriment i think at times especially if you're not particularly good at the game yet because you're going to be dying and having to get these continues and stuff and it's uh i think a lot of people are frustrated by that more old school approach to uh dying in the game but i'm fine with it but that's yeah i think it works it probably works fine for sonic just cuz like you said like Part, part of Sonic is mastery over these levels, so if you have to continue, like, I don't know, I got the game over and then stopped. Uh, yeah. So, like, where, where does it put you? Does it put you at the beginning of that level? Yeah, it puts you at the beginning of the zone you were in. Okay. So once you clear a zone, like, you, you're, you're going to have that stay, but you won't get to keep your checkpoints through the levels or even... Uh, the second half because each zone is divided into two acts yeah so if you get a game over you're back to the very beginning of the level uh, this first half of the zone uh, again for sonic like sand was saying mastery over the levels is really where part of the fun comes from these games and so that sort of old school approach it forces you to replay it a lot more than you might otherwise and so you get better at it uh, which makes it more fun to like rip through the level at high speed. Also, the levels are huge. They're definitely bigger than the Genesis games would have been. Oh yeah, they feel gigantic. There are so many checkpoints, and I feel like if you didn't have as many checkpoints, you'd just be kind of lost sometimes. Because sometimes you feel a bit lost, and then you're like, oh, I found a checkpoint. I must be going in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, so I guess that's... That's it for Sonic Mania. Hopefully, you know you're going through all of these zones. Maybe you'll, maybe there'll be an angry sun zone. Maybe there will be an angry sun zone. We'll have to find out. And for me, I've been playing some Grifflands. Grifflands is your uh, it's a deck building uh, game, turn based game, and uh, it's a roguelike, one of my favorite genres. <laughs> and so if you've played other games like it, such, for example, uh, the one the other game that I've played like it is Slay the Spire. And this game definitely gets you uh, to enter the same kind of repetitive loop, uh, similar to what you guys were talking about with Sonic Mania. However, there's different characters that you can pick as your main character. And uh, you enter into quickly diverging kind of pathways or builds uh, of bringing your character up to bear against the challenges uh, that you're going to face. And so that's a summary of Grifflands. But what I find is it's actually really fun. Now, the original reason why I was looking at Grifflands is I was looking for an alternative to uh, to playing Magic <laughs> the Gathering Arena. Um, and uh, you know what? Grifflands is definitely an entertaining way to kind of scratch that itch. 
it uh, rewards you for both exploring outside of the builds that you feel familiar with when you're starting a new loop, um, but also diving in deeper and upgrading your deck of cards. Because not only can you get new cards, but you can also upgrade them, and it's a diverging choice as to how you upgrade your cards. And so what you can find is that uh, uh, even if you ha ended up with the same uh, bunches of cards in two different games, your end result deck might look entirely different based on what you're feeling in those particular runs. Uh, what I also found was that the uh, a lot of the a lot of the voice acting is not English; it's alien uh, sounds. Um, but uh, just the the immersion itself. So this game is made by Clay Entertainment. They've made other great games like Invisible Ink. They've done a really good job of creating a world with with very strange and alien terminology. Um, well, of course, because this is a sci-fi genre, and, and, and just quite frankly, a universe around you that is, in some ways, it feels, it almost feels like a space western to me a lot at times, and that's not... I love, I love space yeah, western. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything from the art style to just the, the dialogue and a lot of the thematic elements in it. But it... Um, so, so it feels both familiar and alien at the same time. <laughs> But uh, all right, were they trying to make a Mandalorian game but couldn't get the rights? You know what? I feel like if you put official Star Wars characters in there, it really would feel like a Mandalorian game. Uh, that's a funny you mentioned that, but perhaps that's just a consequence of the <laughs> space western genre. And, are, are they and angry like everybody else that Firefly got canceled? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the 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 immersion. Uh, part's pretty cool that you mentioned because like i i've only seen like a little bit of this game when you played it but uh it, it looked like it did something where when you were talking with uh, other characters there would be highlighted uh parts of the, te of the text yeah and mm -hmm. so like you could hover over that to get like a little explanation of like you know in in universe terms and stuff they made thorough use of tooltips yeah like and that's that's really cool didn't like i think pyre did the same thing right uh, yeah, yeah, Pyre had a similar in-text kind of tooltip thing. Yeah, and that, I think that's a really awesome, uh, like, world-building design decision, because it, it lets you, it lets you have exposition which, uh, without having literal in-character exposition. Yeah. And what was also cool about that is as you start to find out more about the world around you and you get used to this language, you can actually pick up on some character dialogue or decision options that aren't immediately apparent to you at first. For example, you know, one of the characters might be griping about how their family is always hungry. And if you throw them a bowl of uh, grub from the main kind of uh, shopkeeper that you deal with back in the original shop, if you go all the way back to the, your home base and then you come out and visit them with this, then they give you a secret item. So there's a lot of cool little synergies like that that I found where um, uh, they, they reward you for being immersed uh, and don't just, you know, throw you off the deep end. The other cool thing is that there's actually two distinct types of battles going on. So basically you've got your main overworld where you're traveling to uh, choose between different quests because there's limited time to complete those quests. 
Um, but also the approach that you take any individual uh, quest is either with violence or with verbiage. And so you get to actually, you have, and you have a unique deck for each uh, character for each of those two branches. Uh, so your character might be kind of like, you know, your uh, former turncoat from the bad guys, you know, and so he's got a lot of relationships with the bad, with, with the bad guys um, that you met uh, through your uh, playthrough of the first character. And so his, uh, they call it, the, I think, the negotiation deck, if I'm correct. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the cool thing is, is even when you're facing against an enemy, if they look like they're overwhelmingly powerful in the violence department, you can see if, uh, if you're willing to uh, take the negotiation option. And uh, it definitely can... If you screw up in, in a negotiation bad enough, you can actually trigger a fight afterwards. <laughs> so it's uh, pretty entertaining. Um, and uh, Grifflands for me has definitely been one of those games that I uh, I will sometimes think about and immediately go back and, and pick it up. Yeah. Cool. So um, what are like the roguelike aspects of it? You mentioned the different characters. Uh so, uh, when you're starting over, the only thing that anchors you is the beginning circumstances of, uh, your character and, uh, um, the cards that you start with, the, uh, items that you'll come across, the characters that you come across are all completely randomized each run, um, save for a few anchor points. There's some major quests or characters that you have to be able to uh, defeat or beat in order to uh, progress further. And so when you start again, actually at first it, it, you really do start pretty much from ground zero up until you progress far enough that you discover some resources that can boost your character in uh, certain ways that last between these rounds of playing. Mm -hmm. And also the only way to get more characters is actually to uh, progress further with the characters that you already have. Right. Okay. Cool. Yeah. That sounds like an interesting sort of RPG game. A card PG. Card PG. I was kind of thinking about that concept too. And I was like, hold on. Even your basic deck of cards, like if you're playing, you know, a game with a regular deck of cards. Each time you shuffle, if you shuffle properly, it is completely random. Can you get any more roguelike than a deck of cards? Yes. You can, yeah, play, you... You can play rogue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could burn the cards. <laughs> Item destruction. Yeah. Sounds, sounds you know like... what, what I find kind of... One of the things I find kind of interesting, more broadly, is developers taking... Uh, design choices for video games from actual physical uh, card games or RPGs. Uh, and the the funny thing is that a lot of the, from what I've seen, a lot of the developers making these decisions to like, you know, use a card system or use like uh, simulated dice rolls, you know, they're doing it because for some reason, like players don't like actual randomness. This is a thing that with XCOM, for example, has been abundantly clear uh, that the developers go so far as to change the actual percentages uh, that are displayed because uh, the real percentages are uh, like players perceive it as unfairly, right? 
Like if you have a 95% chance in XCOM, it's actually, it's more like, like they've bumped it up. Like you actually have, I don't know the exact numbers because they won't say what they did, uh, but they display a number that is actually lower than what it is. So if you have an 80% chance to hit, it's more like you have a 90% chance in the game engine. Uh, because, you know, people don't like 1 in 10 of their shots missing at 90%. Because for some reason we see 90% and we think, oh, that's pretty much guaranteed. But no, it's 1 in 10. But if you roll a 10-sided die, for some reason we're okay with that. <laughs> like, like if you roll a 10-sided die and you need a 2 or better, we're totally okay with that for some reason. But we're not okay with the 90% chance. And uh, it's like a it's a funny psychological thing. And it's just interesting because I've been seeing a lot more games uh, taking this approach of, you know, simulating physical randomness uh, somewhat as opposed to uh, using just straight percentages. Because when we give straight percentages, you know, we don't like uh, the player gets frustrated with those. But if you introduce randomness through. Like you, sh you physically show like dice being rolled or you, you know, give the player cards that introduces the randomness. You know, players are much more understanding of when the randomness does not go their way with these simulated physical like representations. So it's a kind of an interesting game de uh, design choice, I guess, uh, for how to present randomness and incorporate it into your games that I've been seeing a lot more of lately. And so Grifflands is just another one. Yeah, you know, because at first I I I thought I was kind of like, oh, why would you bother simulating dice rolls or simulating cards like this just for a battle system? It seems like it just seems silly, right? Like this isn't a board game. Why would you don't need dice to do statistics? But because when you do it that way, the player understands the statistics more intuitively. And so hmm. interesting, uh, interesting thought there. Yeah. The, there's been there's certainly been like such such an explosion in card based anything recently. Why well, th well, I think of like old like card PGs, like the only ones I can think of are the Bat and Kaitos games and Mega Man Battle Network. <laughs> like, did Mega Man Battle Network have cards? Yeah, it totally did. I don't remember it having cards. Well, you, you built like your program or whatever, and it had like different your different like things you could do, and then you. It's been a while since I played Mega Man Battle Network, but yeah, that was a deck building game, if okay. I remember correctly. Yeah. Well, I, also, <laughs> there were a few, there were a few of them, and I think they might have changed the way that the battle system worked as the series went on. There's been a lot of, of yeah. Battle Network games. I mean, I kind of liked it. I, I kind of liked those games. They had a, they had a bit of a cool. The that series has been around long enough that there's a game called One Step from Eden that is a spiritual successor to those, awesome. which is pretty funny. Uh yeah, it seems like there's so many freaking like deck building type games now. I I I'm really interested to know like what triggered that. What triggered developers to like just start making those now? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely listened to some developer uh, commentary that's very. It's been very explicit that they've moved to things like simulated dice or simulated cards because of of seeing how players. Uh, were upset at uh, you know percentage based randomness. So, uh, and then to an extent, it's it, it's new, and so developers want to experiment with newer things. And then 
Yeah. So, like, it's a bit of a fad, but it's a fad that I think started for a good reason. <laughs> Everybody that grew up around Pokemon is now old enough to make games, so it's like, hey, Pokemon cards were fun. Yeah. I remember that, was it like called the game. Pokemon trading card game for Game Boy Color? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was a fun one. Even back then, they were they were doing it. Cool. Uh, so, let's... I guess we'll go on to me now. I've been playing uh, two games. One of them I'll only mention a bit briefly. Uh, I started playing a game called Arknights, uh, which is a mobile gotcha tower defense game. Okay. And it's actually it actually seems like pretty good for what it is for now. Like it doesn't feel pay to win, which <laughs> which is like the highest compliment you could ever ever have for a gotcha game. Uh, but is it actually pay to win? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, it's definitely de- you can spend money. That's for damn sure. That but... would be that. That would be the brilliant like success from a business perspective of a gacha game is one that does not feel like it's pay to win, but is totally pay to win. Yeah, but it's a you know kind of fun tower defense game where you build your build your team of your team of like animal people and put them down on certain tiles of this board you see where the enemies are coming where you gotta defend and there's a bunch of different abilities uh the game revolves around uh you have deployment points that you get over time and certain characters can manipulate how fast you gain these deployment points and certain types of characters will be like early game or late game and each character can block a a certain amount of uh enemies coming through so you've got you know your defenders that can block a lot, or you've got, you know, your kind of like quick attackers that cost very few deployment points, so you can like deploy them when you really need like some extra backup on spot, but they might have high DPS, but they can't really hold a position. And you can like, when characters die, you th- they go on cooldown for a while, or you can make them retreat and then get some of your deployment points back. So, so far, a lot of the missions have been like, pretty interesting just trying to manage uh where you're where you're placing everything and retreating stuff like i have this one character that is like my favorite to use because their special ability is that their redeployment time is like a third of everybody else's it normally takes a while so like they're just like my all right i just need i need like help here badly so i throw them down and pick them back up throw them down somewhere else so there's there's some interesting mechanics going on in it. If you if you can tolerate a gotcha game, then I'd say give this one a look. Uh, and the the story is the story's kind of hilarious because you're so in all these gotcha games, like the player character is some is like some faceless like noun basically. Like in Fire Emblem Heroes, you're the summoner and whatnot. Here, you're the doctor. The doctor. The doctor is in. Because <laughs> the entire plot of the game is that there's people being infected by this incurable uh, disease caused by this weird mineral that is being used to make like crazy technology. And you're, you're part of an organization that's trying to cure it. And the organization's name is Rhodes Island, which what? is really fucking stupid. That is so <laughs> dumb. It's like Rhode Island, but scholarly i don't know <laughs> uh so yeah you're just like going around and then there's like a f- gigantic group of fanatical infected people that want to you know 
basically like bring down society and it's like very it's pretty grimdark wow so far despite you know you walking around with like a bunch of waifus with like cat ears <laughs> so it's like a <laughs> bit of a tonal dissonance there but <laughs> waifu cat eared grimdark now, yeah that sounds like a listen there's sounds a market like some 40k fan art to me yeah <laughs> Market niches are everywhere. You just gotta find them. Somewhere, this is somebody's favorite game because of that aesthetic, for sure. <laughs> I, I, yeah, wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> so yeah, been, that's been occupying some of my time, but the other game I've been playing is another on the Santo list of weirdly named games that I picked up, and that's uh, AI The Somnium Files. My goodness. <laughs> uh, so... Not Insomnium. Somnia. So, Somnia is Latin for dream. Yeah. So, uh, insomnia is, you know, can't dream. Because you can't sleep. Yeah. And the that, you know, dream parts of it actually play a really big role in this game. Uh, so, I originally picked this up because it was a game uh, by director uh, Kotaro Uchikoshi. And... He's done uh, the Zero Escape series, so 999 VLR and Zero Time Dilemma. And if you listen to the Favorite Games podcast, you'll know that 999 VLR are two of my like favorite games. Uh, so like anything this you know director puts out, like that's going to be a pretty good indication of quality, in my opinion. And uh, I put about four and a half hours into this game, and it's so fucking good, man. Oh my god. It's oh, yeah. so good. Uh, so... It's uh, like a visual novel, uh, kind of light adventure game, uh, li- like his other works. Uh, so if you play something like a Phoenix Wright, uh, some of this may sound familiar to you. Uh, your character is named uh, Date, and he is a member of Abyss, A-B-I-S, which is the Advanced Brain Investigation Squad for, the, for the Metropolitan uh, Police Department. <laughs> Uh, so you, you investigate, uh, crimes and basically what your role in it is that you are able to use this technology to sync with, with other people and, you know, dive into their subconscious and like get information out of them that you won't be able to otherwise. Uh, the start of the game is you are at a, you go to like... So you're a mind hacker. Yes. Pretty much. But but for good. <laughs> so far it seems like it, yes. Uh, so the I can see the twist already. <laughs> the game opens with you at this like run-down amusement park where there's a person that's been murdered sitting on top of one of the horses in the merry-go-round uh, and they have one of their eyes removed. And the there's another person there... Uh, a little kid who happens to be your roommate, and the person that's murdered is, is the kid's mother. So this kid is, like, c- completely traumatized and can't speak. Uh, so you have to go into their mind and, like, kind of figure out, okay, what happened? And not not necessarily even, like, what happened, but just, like, what is this person's state of mind? And how can I, like, fix that? in their subconscious to make them able to talk so that we can figure out, okay, what, what happened, what's going on. 
And uh, that occurs with these uh, little puzzle sequences where you have a few different points of interest in the world and you need to investigate them all within a six-minute time limit. And time only moves when you move. Uh, so it's got super hot mechanics. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and each action that you do when you're investigating uh, these points of interest will take a certain amount of time. Uh, which is... I don't like that that much because there's there's so much personality behind all of the investigation in this game. Uh, it's very much like Phoenix Wright in that way, where in the normal investigation parts that you're in, like... You can look around and like almost everything in the world has like a little bit of flavor text and it's the writing in that is like super good. Uh, uh, so you so you don't actually have t- enough time to like fully examine all of the little bits with interesting writing. So in the first one that I did, I did have enough time. You do get like little power ups that make it so that the actions that you take only like are reduced by a certain amount. So, like, for example, if you want to, say, make your character r- get on one of the horses on the merry-go-round and ride it, it's like, okay, that action is going to take you thir- 30 seconds. So you kind of have to budget things. So that part's a little odd. I haven't done too many of those. I've, I've done one with a time limit and one that didn't have a time limit. But there's not that many points of interest, so I could see that not getting in the way that much. Um... But, (laughs) so the game has an incredible sense of style to it, where a lot of the transitions in between, like, the real world and the dream world look, like, really crazy awesome, and the dream worlds themselves are, like, these surrealist uh, portrayals of regular-ass things, like, a lot of weird stuff's happening in them, Uh, and this is something that, um, this director in particular is like really good at the really great at um, implementing like symbolism into uh, pretty much everything that they do. And the uh, UI, the UI direction in this game is also really, really good. Like everything's super stylized and looks really cool, but let's, let's get into why I think this game is so great. Okay. So your character has a companion with them called Iba, and Iba is this character's left eyeball. <laughs> okay, I, I was thinking here it would stand for some sort of AI, but no. You are correct, because the eyeball in his eye is a little AI machine. Oh boy. That connects with his brain, and this companion is like, they're, they're so funny, their personality is all over the map. And they're constantly making, like, puns and shit. Same with the uh, main character. Constantly just, like, roasting each other. Uh, so there's there's a lot of, like, interplay between the two characters that is, like, really, really funny. But when you go into these uh, dream sequences, uh, Iba, like, materializes into a person to explore these, explore these areas. Though, at one point early on in the game, uh, Iba does literally pop out of your eyeball uh, and start uh, like makes like a weird like jelly creature form and starts walking around what <laughs> it's really that's, weird that's pretty weird <laughs> that's very weird uh 
Yeah, and like I said, there's tons of puns and wordplay. Your main character is extremely horny at times. <laughs> okay. So, like, there, there's one part in the, in the game where you're in a uh, Yakuza office, and shit's about to go down. A person pulls out a, a gun on you, and your AI companion says, Look, there's a porno mag on the ground. And the maker is like, What? And, and like, dodges a bullet because of it. Wow. And then the person, the AI is like, a- After the entire, like, scene goes down, there's a gunfight. And then Dante to the Iba is just like, So, where was that porno mag? <laughs> And, oh and it's like, my god. I noticed that your reaction times are 3.6 times faster when you are excited, so I made that up. So there's there's a lot of just so, like... main character's very horny. Is this a dating sim? No. It better not be. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Because uh, your roommate, the, the girl that I mentioned earlier, is 12 years old. <laughs> so it better not be. But... Uh, She's like the daughter of your best friend, and your best friend went through like a messy divorce, so you were looking after her for a bit. And then, you know, her mother gets murdered, and then her father also gets murdered. So this ends up being like a serial killer murder mystery, to where it's the the mystery of the new Cyclops killer, Uh, because he removes everybody's left eye. And Wait, so did the main character lose his eye to, like, the old Cyclops killer? So, probably. Well, maybe. Is that even explained? So, there's... Okay. Your main character suffers from a condition that, in most hands, I would call a lazy plot device. But I like this writer so much that I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Your character has amnesia. Oh, God. Uh where they can't remember anything past six years ago. So, and that's when the incident happened that made them lose their eye. And also six years ago, there was a case of the old Cyclops killer who killed a bunch of people, like four people, and removed their right eyes. So now we got the new Cyclops killer that removes everybody's left eye. And so there's there's hints of like, you know, okay, some something like really messed up happened during that time. Uh, and the game, like, actually, like, prompts that very early on, because, like, you know, you, the first thing you see is somebody with their left eye removed, and your character has a AI in their left eyeball, so instantly you're going to be thinking, like, okay, you know, what's going on here? There's probably going to be some dumb twist where, like, the main character did, did everything, but they, la- they lay out this, uh, you know, past stuff uh, very early on, just to, you know... Kind of place the foundation for like, look, we're gonna we're gonna lay down a bunch of questions, but we're gonna get there. We're gonna answer them at some point. So you're not gonna have to buy DLC for the answers. No. <laughs> Although uh, apparently there is a sequel in the works. Yes, there is. Uh-huh. Should, be, should be releasing next year. So looking forward to that too. Uh, and so there's this option in the menu. That hasn't been like explained and tutorialized to me yet, but there is a flowchart. And it seems that in these dream sequences, you can there's multiple solutions to them, which will take you down branching paths, which might be interesting, I'm not sure. That this director has done a bunch of stuff with branching paths in the past, so that's not actually that surprising. Uh 
but right now I'm just continuing on the path that I'm on. I'm not, I haven't gone back to like try to solve them differently to see if I can go down a different path yet. So I'll be interesting to see how that works. Yeah. It's like, that's, you know, as an interesting story, like story framework, sure. But like, will it have like gameplay implications? Cause like a lot of, again, this director's other works was taking information that you got in certain branches of the game that you've been playing and bringing them into other branches to, you know, solve problems. So don't know if that, that'll happen here, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I've been like enjoying it a ton so far. Like I was playing it until like two thirty last night and then <laughs> we agreed to record this early today and I was seriously considering pulling it all nighter because I really wanted to just keep playing it. Wow. That's a good sign. Yeah. yeah. So, that sounds like a, a stellar recommendation right there. So yeah, so if you're, you know, into these like weird off the wall uh murder mysteries and like, you know, things like Phoenix Wright, things like Danganronpa, yeah, give this game a look. I think it's definitely worth your time. And yeah. Bunch of fun themes in it. The number the number six uh shows up very prominently in it. Uh, oh my <laughs> Yeah, so that's AI the Somnium Files. Cool. Sounds Dope. like an interesting game. Yeah, so that's what we've been playing lately. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. Uh, if there's any games that you think we might enjoy, you know, you can reach out to us at our Outlook, uh, Angry Sunzone at Outlook.com, uh, or our Twitter, Angry, at, at Angry Sunzone. If you want to hear more of us, uh, you can also check out our YouTube channel. You guessed it. Angry Sun Zone. We just put up a Magic the Gathering video. Yeah. Yeah, Magic the Gathering. Yeah, new, new set release, actually. So mm -hmm. That was the reason for releasing that video, yes. <laughs> so yeah, that's all we got for you this week. And uh, be sure to check us out. Subscribe. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, on this, this podcast, it's finger looking good. <laughs> Conan's been busy. I mean, that's that the dog is licking your fingers, yep. Yep. <laughs> Don't use my controller. <laughs>